All right, everyone. Welcome to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast with Andrew Drozdak and Thomas Bowen. This is a podcast for slightly above average football fans, slightly below average football fans that want to learn more about the game. And if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody, welcome in to episode one of season three of the Slightly Above Average Football Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Andrew Drozdak. I'm joined by my buddy. He just finished his Mark Stoops fan club meeting, uh, Thomas Bowen. Bowen, it's good to see you. Hey, you too. And uh, we're having we're having trouble with membership in the fan club here. It, it doesn't seem like uh, Coach Stoops is is very well loved, particularly down here in South Carolina at the moment. That's correct. And I mean, I, I imagine your rules are pretty strict about no dancing, sunglasses, or anything fun. None, none of that silly stuff. We're all about business here. They're build, building a culture. Building a culture. Not that's right. Changing climate. Uh, we are the show for you if you are a football fan. We are the X and O show for the Jimmys and the Joes. This is season three of us. If you're new to us, we are two really big college football fans, football fans in general, particularly of the South Carolina Gamecocks, who we will focus in on uh, today for our preview show of their season coming up very soon. We will, during the season, do a weekly show breaking down the Gamecocks, their opponent. We'll also break down our biggest rival, Clemson the Clemson Tigers and whoever they are playing that week. And from time to time, we'll jump in and break down a third game if it's big enough to get our attention. So today we are going to focus in on the South Carolina Gamecocks. And Thomas, um, before we get into this season, let's talk a little bit about something that's you know been news now for a little while. It's the first time you and I have gotten to talk on, on record about this. Uh, Phil Petty passing away far too young. <laughs> Uh, Thomas, what, what are your memories of Phil or what, what came to your mind when you heard about that? You know, I, I, of course, you, you hate to hear that. And like you said, far too young and you really feel for uh, for his for his family and his kids, uh, particularly. I know you as a father myself, I'm about to become a father for the first time and just couldn't imagine leaving my kids behind like that. But but thinking back to Phil Petty and what he meant to uh, to South Carolina as a quarterback, I, I will never forget and particularly, uh, my brothers will never let me forget either. I can remember as a young kid telling them that uh, Phil Petty was going to be playing on Sundays one day. <laughs> I, 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 I very much believe that. Uh, obviously, a very young, naive kid at that point and, and wasn't really into the X's and O's and, and the knowledge like we have nowadays. But I loved Phil Petty as a kid. I loved watching him out there as a field general. He was definitely one of those more calm, cool, and collected. As I said, a field general had a really good command of the offense. He was fun to watch. He wasn't a real flashy guy, but he was a guy that went out there and got it done. And uh, I think at the time that he was exactly what South Carolina needed under center. I completely agree with you. And as you know, you mentioned, you know, really just having a, a strong, you know, love for him as a, as a fan. So I was at the Brad Scott football camp when he got his scholarship. Now, let me be clear about the fact that I paid my money and came as a junior high school football player. No one invited me to camp. I just happened no, to no preferred invite for no, that. Camp. No, I wasn't invited. And I was in, I was in junior high at the time. And, but for a kid like me who, who thought at that time I was in junior high, like I said, high school football players were heroes and, and college football players were, were darn near gods to watch somebody kind of from my area of, of Spartanburg, South Carolina, Bowling Springs High School and Bowling Springs, you know, 
to turn, see him get a scholarship. I remember they had him lead our stretches that morning that they gave him the scholarship. And this was a little bit before, you know, I would have been paying attention to recruiting or anything like that. We just all in camp knew something special had happened and that that guy was really special. And of course he turned into being Phil Petty. Um, you know, and I agree with you, just the field general. And I kind of said it in a couple different places when we found out about him passing away. I just remember his toughness, uh, you know, definitely a field general, like you said, but just tough as nails, you know, he would take a shot, like an absolute shot. We aren't talking about today where the quarterbacks are really well protected. I'm not going to get into if that's right or wrong, but he would just get laid out and pop back up, drag himself into that huddle and go play another play. You know, Eric Kimry's famous fade was because he got injured. And you, if you watch that game in its entirety, Phil gets up and he is trying really hard to make it to the huddle. I think he hurt his ankle on that play before. And then you hear the great story that Kimry shared of that person cheering the loudest for him when he threw that pass was Phil Petty. Like he, he was the happiest guy in that stadium was Phil Petty for Eric Kimry that day. So, I mean, that's just awesome. And, you know, truly, like you said, as, as a dad myself, you're about to be a dad. I can't imagine that. I, I feel for his family, his children, his wife. And his friends, you know, I mean, you know, losing somebody is always hard, but especially younger than you would ever want. So just wanted to take a second and remember Phil Petty, uh, you know, to me, very much a big part of the Gamecock football family and and that fraternity of football players, um, you know, and his teammates have gone on and on, rightfully so, about how great he is or was as a guy and as a teammate and just real awful. Um, our thoughts are with them. So switching gears to more modern South Carolina football stuff. Let's talk for a second, Thomas, about the Welcome Home series on ESPNU, uh, the second episode of which aired last night. We're recording this on Thursday. Um, and, you know, the first two episodes, Thomas, what are your kind of your thoughts on it? What have you seen? What have you liked? What, what's your impression of it? Okay, so full disclosure, and I have only seen, I would say, roughly half of the first episode. Again, going back to about to be a father, I have a very pregnant wife at home. I watch what she wants to watch for the most part, for the most part. But uh, I will say that uh, I loved it. Uh, what, what I have seen, I, I think it's awesome. I mean, I want to inject that into my veins and I want to just live and breathe it. Uh, the, the first episode, of course, which really gets into the spring game behind the scenes, a lot of that stuff. I thought it was it was, uh, you know, that was, to my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong. But the first time we actually saw when and how Marshawn Lloyd uh injured got injured last year yes and, and was that preseason camp i believe it was yeah. it was non-contact um, all that stuff that you just is a nightmare yeah um but I, I really like behind the scenes and i think it gives people a, a look kind of into a lot of the that culture that beamer is building and the things that he is changing and the way he is modernizing things and he is more of a you know a, a, a player's coach and he's really tuned into what they're into and I think it's a lot of fun to see that as a fan, particularly, you know, even if, I mean, if, if this was about, you know, pick your poison, Oklahoma or West Virginia, I would probably still tune in because I just love that behind the scenes stuff. And I love to see how, how they run practices and how they structure things. But again, that's probably just me and you and, and the football nerd and us. Absolutely right. Okay. So full disclosure, you were transparent. I'll be transparent. I've seen about as much of it as you have. Um, I don't have a very pregnant wife, but I have a three-year-old daughter who uh, pretty much runs the television. So I've seen a lot more of Peppa Pig 
and Gabby's <laughs> Dollhouse than I have seen of that show. But the parts I have seen, I really liked. Um, like you said, football nerds and us just being fully engrossed in, gosh, let me see that. Let me be there. Let me hear it. Um, you know, the the spring game preview and, and back behind the scenes there. I really liked last night's episode, that first practice, seeing, you know, Coach Beamer be honest with the guys and letting this camera crew see it, that he wasn't happy with the energy in day one practice. So started off, he thought it wasn't their good a good practice. Like, that's going to happen. It is hot. One of the guys is in one of the ice tubs after practice, and I think he's not from South Carolina originally. And he says to his teammate, man, this South Carolina heat's different. And it is. <laughs> it, it, is. it is different. And so, you know, it's hard to get fired up, you know, and go out there and do that in that heat. So I totally uh, appreciated the, the true behind the scene nature of that. I agree also seeing that culture. One of the things he talked about was I don't see anybody or hear anybody lifting anybody up. I don't hear you making your teammates better. I don't hear you encouraging your teammates. That's what we need is a camaraderie and an energy. And I, I, I love that. I love the honesty of it. And, and yeah, I mean, as a football nerd, like, Listen, I'll, I'll sign – if anybody from South Carolina is listening right now, I'll sign a non-disclosure agreement. If you guys will just let me come watch practice, I won't tell a soul. Like, if you won't <laughs> let me tell – if you won't let me tell Thomas, that's fine. I will I will sit in silence to the day. If you just let me go to a meeting room, let me see how this thing works from behind, I'd love to see it. Um, so, anyway, moving into our – kind of our season preview, if you will – We're going to talk scheme and players today of the University of South Carolina football team. Uh, So for anybody who's new to the show, traditionally, I talk South Carolina's offense. Thomas talks our defense. And then during the the year, I will talk about the other team's offense and Thomas will talk about the other team's defense. So speaking of South Carolina's offense, um, Marcus Satterfield is entering his second year as offensive coordinator here in Columbia, South Carolina. There have been times that he has been questioned um, in his decision making and his game planning. Lots of questions there. He has been questioned on our show by me, by Thomas, by lots of people, uh, you know, not just us as well. So One of the things, uh, and this is stepping on our next segment in just a second, one of our new players, one of our transfers, key player for this season, Spencer Radler. One of the things Spencer said about the offense is it's going to be looking a lot like the Rams. What does that mean? I mean, of course, it's great to say we're going to look like the Rams. They just won the Super Bowl. But ultimately what he's talking about is that this offense is going to be centered around in a lot of ways, the outside zone without getting too far into that scheme. Cause we will during the, the year, basically it is a zone scheme. All of your offensive line wants to move in unison as a wave to one direction. They're trying to in the outside scheme. They are literally trying to step into the next gap. They want to overcome the next guy over and they are trying to literally move to that edge. Sometimes when they do this, these offensive linemen will literally turn their shoulders and lean in on a guy and try to run him. You'll see him take a backward step away from the line of scrimmage, which is so unusual a lot of times in football. But ultimately, the running back is pushing that outside edge. Let's say it's outside zone right. He is going to try and push that edge to the right. And when I say edge, I'm talking about the outside leg, outside butt of the tight end or the tight tackle who whoever's right there, if they can seal off that in, he's going to keep running to daylight. If they can't, the hope is that he's going to cut back and everybody's going to have flown over the top and he can cut back and find space back there. Once defenses start having to react to that, once they have to start moving guys over there, shifting, blitzing, uh, you know, taking shots that direction, the idea is you hit him back with a counter run 
or you fake that and you run a pass to the backside. That's what Sean McVay is doing in LA. He, he, you know, he learned a lot of that with Kyle Shanahan, who's San Francisco 49ers. You have Matt LaFour in uh, Green Bay doing a lot of similar stuff. They were all on the same staff with uh, each other at the Washington Commanders at the time they were the Redskins. And they learned a lot from that. And people don't give Kyle Shanahan, who kind of is considered the father of this, his dad, Mike Shanahan, the credit he deserves for what he did in Denver when he really started using this outside zone with John Elway and Terrell Davis. So it's really going to be a pass, play action pass heavy offense. You're really going to attack that edge, force the defense to declare, okay, we're going to stop you from getting the edge. Or if we're beating you with the edge, they're going to make them come back and we're going to hit you with a counter or a power up the gut, or we might hit you with a reverse or something along those lines. And really it's all from there. It's what my coach used to say is it's all window dressing, different formations, motions to make you declare a side, things like that. So ultimately very pro centric offense, but at the same time, when we hear pro style, if you're an old school football person, you're thinking quarterback under center, two backs and a tight end. That's not always the case. Now there is a lot of spread in the NFL. And I, I do think we'll get under the center. Some with Spencer um, there, Thomas, do you have anything you want to hit on with the offensive scheme when you heard Spencer talk about that or just its development leading into this this season, maybe, you know, at the bowl game and, and offseason? I, I liked it. And and one of the things I was thinking about as soon as you said outside zone, and if somebody wants if, – if any of the listeners want to look back at last season at South Carolina's offense and see a, a prime example of this being executed at a high level, and let's be honest – because of, as you mentioned, Satterfield and some of his woes earlier, it wasn't a lot. Go back and watch the Auburn game. We ran outside zone, inside zone, play after play after play. The offensive line was in sync. Uh, the protections were there. And it's just a great example of that. And I know, as well as you know, that when it is ran well and ran to perfection, it is a great scheme. And I think we've got the bodies to do that. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the cohesiveness of this offensive line has come together over the offseason, learn some of those protections more. Um, it's, I think it's a perfect offense for the talent that is on the squad right now. Absolutely, which leads me right into talking about some key players. I already mentioned, mentioned Spencer Radler, transfer from Oklahoma. Um, at one point was was seen as, I believe, the number one recruit in the country. I know he was seen as a Heisman uh, contender last year. Lost his job uh, in Oklahoma to um, – what's the guy's first Caleb name? Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. It was Williams, um, who's at Southern Cal now with Lincoln Riley, the former uh, Oklahoma Sooners head coach. So, you know, but people hear that and they think, oh, he must have struggled. When you go back and look at Spencer, if you go watch him on tape, he didn't play outstanding football. I think he'd be the one first one to tell you that, but he played pretty darn good. Um, he, you know, he was not the reason that they were having some issues. To me, I feel like there were some cultural, speaking of cultural issues in the locker room in Oklahoma. I think there were a couple different things going on there. But I think Spencer is an extremely talented running, or excuse me, quarterback that puts him in the top two, maybe three, if you if you want to, you know, not be too generous of quarterbacks in the SEC right now, talent level. I mean, you know, I think he's he is a game-changing quarterback, not a manager, not a he's got a developed guy. I think he's a game-changer at quarterback for us. Um, speaking of which, we brought in a whole lot of those type of players through the transfer portal. Thomas, help me, uh, what's Williams' first name? You know I'm terrible at this. Who, wait, who are you Wells, talking about? Excuse me, Wells. Wells. Antoine Wells. Juice. Antoine. 
Juice Wells, that's it. I knew he was a nickname. You know, brought in big time. You got Rucker brought in as well, another big time guy. You know, you return Vaughn, you return Jaheim Bell. That's Josh, uh, excuse me, Vaughn, Van. Wow, I'm off to a great start. Josh <laughs> Van, uh, you know, you've got, and then you have other guys that in that, in that, wide receiver room that were kind of still in a developmental phase. Josh Van was sort of the only reliable target for a lot of the season last year. That is no longer the case. Also, you know, it's been mentioned a couple of times. We started four different quarterbacks on offense last year. Uh, you know, so that you can look at that inconsistency at that most important position, some, some playmakers that were lacking in the wide receiver room. You already mentioned some of the offensive line cohesiveness issues, you know, so that's going to be an issue. Uh, that was an issue last season. So without jumping into my most improved group yet and kind of jumping to the next thing, there's no excuses in this season, in my opinion, minus an injury, minus some kind of catastrophic injury. Didn't even mention Marshawn Lloyd being fully healthy, other recruit, uh, other transfers at the running back room. There's a lot of weapons now. There's a lot of, of tools in the toolbox for Marcus Satterfield. So if you assume that everybody stays healthy, there should not be an excuse of, well, they just didn't have the Jimmys and the Joes, but the X's and the O's were there. That's just not the case this season. So got to got to be able to step up and make some plays there. To me, I've already mentioned it, most improved groups, position groups, wide receiver. Again, Josh Van was really kind of that only major target you could count on every week. Um, I think uh, Dak Joyner is continuing to develop and is going to be really good. I know he's still getting some time at quarterback at sort of a wildcat look. I think that's going to be great. And obviously, I just mentioned the huge recruit of Spencer, uh, Spencer Radler coming in as a transfer. And then there's the tight end room. I don't know where you put Gene Bell. I don't know if he's a tight end, a wide receiver, or a running back, or all three. Um, but you also have Austin Stogner coming in and Trace Atkins. And, you know, that we there's a lot on this offense. It, it is going to be key that the position group, I think, who still has a lot to prove is the offensive line. I think the talent is there, especially with a healthy Dylan Wadham. I think Eric Douglas can control this line. I think these, these linemen are going to have another year to understand this offense, the calls they've got to make. It is pro-centric in that there are a lot of pre-snap things that everybody's doing and everybody's got to be on the same page. So it's going to be important to have that cohesiveness. And I think South Carolina has it this year. And again, there is, as I said, no excuse. There's no excuse to not be able to produce. We're in the SEC. It's a tough schedule. I get that. Toughest, one of the toughest in the country. I think the highest I've seen our schedule ranks maybe fourth. Um, it, it's pretty doggone hard. You've got Georgia on it. You've got Arkansas on the road. You've got you know Tennessee that's kind of resurgent. T you know, Florida's sort of an unknown. This is still the SEC, of course, not to mention rival Clemson, not in conference. But you know, this is not a cupcake schedule. So that could be an issue, obviously. Um, now, so that kind of wraps up my outlook. What do I expect out of this offense? I expect explosiveness. I expect – do I expect us to go out and score 60 a game? I don't know that. But I do know we should not go out and sputter and sputter and sputter and three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. That should not be happening this season. We should have long, sustainable drives. We should have, I didn't even mention Juju coming in as a great kind of one-two punch to a healthy Marshawn Lloyd. You know, it, it, they should be able to eat clock. 
They should be able to get yardage and score touchdowns. I, this offense has to be better for this team to take the step that everybody thinks that it can take. Thomas, I know you're going to talk more about defense, but overall, what are you expecting out of this offense this year? Yeah, I think you hit hit the nail on the head there with uh, some more uh, consistency, sustainability, uh, a little bit more explosiveness. Here's one thing I want to talk about. You, you talk about a healthy Marshawn, Marshawn Lloyd, and and you're absolutely right. And we saw we saw him in the spring game and looked like he he had a step back, uh, made some really good cuts, really good reads. Uh, he's a little bit more of a. I am not comparing him to this guy, but oh boy, first one he, of the season. <laughs> He, he reminds me, as far as his vision, he reminds me of Lattimore, where Lattimore was a very patient runner. Here, here. And you mentioned with that outside zone, it is a very – you can't get the handoff and just run wide open to the hole. You've got to let blocks develop. You've got to let those seams open up and see the crease in that line. And I think Lloyd is very good at that. He has very good vision. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about was mm-hmm. um, if you've been keeping up with the preseason practices uh, – Lloyd's been fine. He did have have a little a, a little ding the other day. I think as Spurrier would call it, an ankle. He had an ankle. Yeah, he's got two of them. Um, yeah, but but and, and he seems to be fine. It seems just to, just to be a ding there. But and and I hope. I think we all hope that that Lloyd finishes the season injury free and and has a great year and all of that. But it it just it just kind of makes Gamecock fans, I think, bristle and get a little bit nervous when they hear about that after he had to miss all of last year. And now, you know, they're a day or two into pads and he's got a little ding here. And we know the preseason camp, things like that are going to happen. So I think I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic with him. Gotcha. However, the good thing is, as you mentioned, that running back room is probably deeper than it's ever been. Pretty much all of the skill positions on offense are deeper than we've ever been because you've got Lloyd, which of course he's going to be our number one, but you've got Christian Beal Smith who came in from Wake Forest. who's an established running back Juju. Who's that quick hitter. One, two punch. You've got Lavoisier Carroll that came in from Georgia. There's a lot of depth there. So I also think that we could see a little bit more running back by committee, which is really good when you've got, when you've got a running back that can come in, you know, late in the third quarter with fresh legs, when the defense is tired, those one to two yard carries turn into six, seven yard carries when they've got fresh legs and they can really hit those holes harder. So I'm, I'm really excited about the depth there. I'm excited to have some more depth at wide receiver. As you mentioned, I'm really big on juice wells. And as you mentioned, Jaheim bell, the Renaissance man who can be at the X, Y, or Z, you can put him in the backfield. You can do anything with him. Um, Jaheim bell is going to have a, a long and fruitful pro career. I, I think we can both agree on that. So I'm excited to see what, what he can do. And finally on offense, you're absolutely right. It, it is put up or shut up for this offense for, for Marcus Satterfield. Um, he, he, he doesn't have the excuse of, well, we have the system. Our quarterback went down. We went through four or five quarterbacks. It was a turnstile. Again, barring any catastrophic injuries, You've got no more excuses. This is the time to do it. I think we know that he can do it. We had a brilliant offensive game plan in the bowl game. Granted, Mark Satterfield had a month to prepare for that. This season, he's going to have a week to prepare for everything. So uh, I'm just excited to see what he can do, and, and, I, and I hope he blows me away. I really do. I agree with you, and, and we'll switch to defense after I point this out. You know, what you mentioned, he had a month to prepare and that sort of thing. One of the other helps he has this season – Freddie Kitchens from the NFL, 
uh, longtime successful offensive coordinator. You know, he is now an offensive analyst. And I think that's going to be huge. Having that analyst piece, have a guy who's another successful offensive coordinator that we've got to hope Marcus is listening to and has his ear that they're working together. And he can, his job is literally to analyze film, look at tendencies, defensive tendencies, our own tendencies. What are we doing that's giving our own stuff away? So I think it's really going to be an important and vital uh, you know, step to have him there along with the talent. All right. So Thomas, we've spent a lot of time on offense. Let's talk defense briefly kind of go over for anybody who may have never listened to us before. What is coach white running? And then talk a little bit about the Gamecock um, starting 11 or, or however you want to go there. Yeah. So we've got uh, Clayton white year two uh, for Clayton white here did a phenomenal job with the defense last year. Of course, there were some gashes here and there, but uh, base defense is a four, two, five, 425, meaning four down linemen, two linebackers, and five DBs. Re- really utilizes a, a hybrid player, which a lot of defenses are utilizing these days. His hybrid player, I believe he calls it a buck, and it's kind of a safety linebacker, safety linebacker hybrid. He can roll down into the box for run support. Uh, he can drop back into coverage. Um, it's he likes to be very multiple, a lot of different uh coverages out of it, be very aggressive. And the thing to think about it is so last year as well as that defense did. And I would say overall from, from start to finish last, last season, the defense was obviously the, the, the high point of, of the season for sure. But if you think about it last year being year one, last year was all about learning the system, educating the players. Now we get into year two with a lot of veterans coming back. A lot of guys that have already spent a year in the system. It should be even more exciting and more fun to and, and more fun to watch because year two is going to be more about making plays, flying around the field. He really builds his defense to give all of his guys autonomy to get out there and make plays where they don't have to think a whole lot. You know, that was one of the big knocks on Will Muschamp as a defensive tactician is, yeah, he's probably a borderline brilliant defensive mind, but but your players aren't going to be like that. So you can't have 85 different run fits for right. your nose tackle or for your defensive right. tackle. This is a very – it's a simple scheme, but White is very good at, at calling it certain ways, disguising coverage. Um, so that's sort of the base of this defense. When you look at the depth chart and the talent coming back, of course, losing uh, Enigbare, who yep. went off to the league, uh, Sterling – also, some of those big anchors there. But when you look at guys coming back, people like Jordan Birch, Jordan Strawn, Zach Pickens, Sherrod Green. Okay, I want to talk about Sherrod Green for a minute. So, Sherrod Green, six-year player, linebacker. Mm-hmm. Of course, he went down early in the Georgia game last year. I think it was a broken ankle. I had actually forgotten that he also missed the previous year with a fractured hip, which sounds horribly painful. Yes, it does. So, But – but when you when you look at Sherrod Green, he's always been sort of that that leader and captain of the defense. He's very good at making sure that guys are lined up right, that we're in the gaps. And we, we've he, he's that that field general, as we mentioned earlier. So I'm really excited to have him back. Um, we're, we're probably looking at defensive ends, Jordan Birch, um, who you know Jordan Birch, year three, big guy, solid quickness. He gets good leverage. He shoots the gaps very well. Um, Birch has been one of those guys who obviously highly touted recruit. Um, he's shown some flashes, I think. And, and this is year three where you see some of those defensive line guys really kind of come into their own. Uh, they're able to play faster. They're able to play smarter. 
Um, I, I do think he needs to work on containing the edge a little bit. And sometimes he takes too wide of an angle and some of those quicker running backs can shoot back inside. Beside him, another highly touted guy, Zach Pickens on the interior, year four for him. This is his year where he's going to make some money. And I think he knows that. He knows that he's got an NFL future ahead of him. He is one of those guys that can eat up a ton of space in the middle. Uh, he's great at creating walls in the middle. He can split double teams. It, it reminds me of, uh, of, of, of some of those guys like, uh, like Fairley at Auburn back in the day that just really clogs up the middle. Um, and then I don't, if we, if we start moving back to the linebackers, I mentioned Sherrod Green. Um, we've got Mo Caba coming back. Let's go ahead and get back to the secondary here, the cornerbacks and the safeties, because I, I, I feel very, very solid with the, with the front, with the front six, with the defensive linemen, the linebackers. The secondary is probably my biggest question on defense. Now, I say that fully admitting that we've got Cam Smith, who is a legit first round talent, absolutely first round talent. He's fantastic in coverage, very aggressive, almost sometimes to a fault. That can get the better of him sometimes. Crowds the catch point really well. All, he's one of those DBs that offenses have to scheme around. He can take away a whole side of a field. And But outside of him, you've got to look at guys like uh, Darius Rush, Marcellus Dial, which those guys showed some flashes last year. But And I didn't realize this until today when I was looking back. So I had forgotten that Cam Smith did not play in the bowl game. So... We had, we had Darius Rush and Marcellus Dial out there who pretty much locked down their guys in that bowl game with, with UNC having a, a very highly touted NFL caliber quarterback. We'll see what he'll do in the league. But, but regardless, I, I feel better about that. Marcellus Dial, who he was a transfer uh, last year. Last year was his first year in the system. And he's been saying that he feels more comfortable in the scheme now. He feels more confident in, in his plays we're going to run a lot of man coverage. And again, with Cam Smith taking away potentially an entire side of the field, Darius Rush, Marcellus Dow, those guys are going to get a lot of looks. And if they can really lock down their guys, it's going to give offenses a lot of trouble. Um, so outside of that, we, uh, you know, looking at the most improved position group, I'm probably going to say linebackers. And that could be strictly just from getting Sherrod Green back, who, who is a, a huge piece of that. Um, and I think also having good linebackers, as we've talked about in previous episodes, regardless of how good your front four are, you've got to have great linebackers, instinctive, smart, quick linebackers for run support. We got gashed a pretty good bit in the run game last year, as well as that defense played which brings me to the position group that still has something to prove is that defensive line. All of that talent coming back, replacing somebody like Enigbari, who offenses have to scheme around, eats up a lot of double teams. There's a lot of talent coming back, but lost some key pieces. And they got picked on a good bet last year because they gave up, South Carolina's defense gave up 100-plus rushing yards in 10 games last year. That's not good. And, and as a fan, you would watch it, and it was just maddening to see these drives, just clock-eating drive after drive, and guys are getting gassed as well. So I think the defensive line has something to prove. I think they can prove it. Um, and, again, I think with the linebacking core behind them, it's really going to help things there. As far as 
as far as the outlook for this defense for this year, I'm really looking for some some quality depth to develop in the secondary, in the DBs. We've got to have that. Um, you never know when injuries are going to hit. We can't leave it all on Cam Smith, as awesome as he is. So I look for the defense to take a big step forward at stopping the run, better gap control with better linebacker play this year. If guys can eat up some gaps, let those linebackers shoot the gap, make plays in the backfield. And the DB's got to stay healthy because, again, there's not a lot of depth back there. Um, so I'm looking for some of those guys to step up, make some big plays. I don't want to forget about also uh, going back to that defensive line. You mentioned transfers earlier. We got some good transfers on defense as well. We got uh, NC State Terrell Dawkins coming in at, at, at an edge rusher. He can provide some more depth there. Um Freshman Stone Blanton, I don't know how much of an impact he's going to make. He's probably going to be more of a, a special teams warrior this year, but uh, I look to see him. I look for him to get some quality time. Tonka Hemingway, MJ Webb, there's there's just a lot of depth up front, and that's what you really need on the defensive line. you got to be able to rotate those guys, keep guys fresh. So I'm, I'm really ex- I'm more excited about this defense this year than I was last year. Of course, last year we didn't really know what was going to happen, but look for them to take a big step forward shut down that run some more and have some fun out there and make it exciting. Absolutely agree with you. Uh, the biggest thing I would say, and you hit on it, that this defense has got to do is get better against the run. Um, that was, if there was an Achilles heel for this defense, it was the run. Um, and I agree with you also that the secondary is kind of a weird thing because I feel strong at corner, but at safety, I'm a little weary. And so, you know, that can be a problem. We've seen that at South Carolina before where the back end is so key in those plays. And a lot of times they're making some shifts in coverages and things of that nature. So they got to know what they're doing. Um, And they also got to be there to make plays. And we can't have missed tackles. I mean, that drives me nuts when I see a safety miss a tackle because you're back there because you're a great, you're you're a great tackler, or at least in my mind, that's one of the reasons I'm back there. So I mean, like that always drives me nuts. Agree with you. Um, So, you know, that's kind of our outlook. I think, you know, Thomas, I think it's safe to say you and me and the average South Carolina fan, the slightly above average, the slightly below average, we're all pretty excited for the season. And and I think that's for good reason. Um, The things are, as they like to say, the needle's trending up. Things are trending in the right direction. It's not a, oh, God, what are we going to do at quarterback? Oh, God, what are we going to do here? It is in a better place. Now, that doesn't mean there still aren't some what-ifs. I mean, you mentioned Jordan Birch and Zach Pickens. They are great talents and at times have flashed that ability. They got to do it consistency, consistently. Same with like a Spencer Radler. He, is he the guy that was a little at times? He was. I said he was good and he was as a sophomore, but is he that guy who was shaky at times or was he the freshman that was a stud? Is, there, or is he somewhere in between? So there's a lot of what-ifs and you mentioned Marshawn Lloyd. Is he going to be one of those guys who snake bit and get injured a lot? Is that going to be a problem? I think for me, Thomas, as we're wrapping up today, I think we're going to kind of know a lot about this football team, and we're not going to really get into our preview game-by-game breakdown. We'll do that in a couple weeks. But I think you'll learn a lot about this team. We will learn a lot about this team by week two. You go to Arkansas. You play at Arkansas. You know, I you know Georgia State is no no slouch. So don't get absolutely me, not get yeah. me wrong saying that. Like I don't think that at all. We may no. learn a lot there too. But yeah. I think you're going to learn a tremendous amount about your season if you go to Fayetteville and you can play with them, 
or you get blown out by them, or maybe you catch them. You know, what does that, that's going to tell you a lot about your team. Um, and, and I think good teams, truly good teams win games on the road. A truly good team in our league has to win on the road. We're going to find out if we can do that. You know, let me just say this. Beat Georgia Georgia State by a good margin week one. Get a victory, don't matter how, by hook or crook in Fayetteville week two. When the, when the Bulldogs come to town that next week for that good Lord, it's going to be hot noon kickoff. <laughs> We're going to be fired up as a fan base. You know, it, it'll be a big, it won't, we will not have had that kind of energy in Williams Bryce stadium in a long time. Now there's a lot of what ifs between now and then, you know, what if we don't play well against Georgia state? What if we get smoked by the Razorbacks? Then that won't be, it'll be that balloon may be a lot more deflated, but there's still some hope there. And like I said, Thomas, we'll get more into that in weeks to come. Um, we just wanted to give the fans a taste talk a little form, talk a little scheme, talk some players. We'll dive into it even deeper soon. Um, we do are going to wrap up here. We have a special guest, Thomas. We're going to we're gonna keep that secret for right now. Oh, we, good. I like it. I like it. We have a special guest next week that you're going to want to hear talk, and it is going to be somebody you're going to be fired up to listen to. Thomas and I are fired up to have him on the show. We are going to do that next week. So – Between now and then, tell your friends, listen, follow along, follow us on social media. We're the at SAA football fan, at SAA football fan on Twitter, on Instagram. We have a YouTube channel. If you want to see our beautiful faces as we talk to each other, you can do that. We'll add in some things there with whiteboards as the year goes on. But Thomas, great first show. I'm excited for this year. I'm excited for college football in general. Because it is something that we love. We love the Gamecocks, but we love football. Thomas, tell the folks whatever you want to tell them as we head out the door. Yeah, everybody, get get ready and buckle up. I think this is going to be an exciting season. It's going to be an exciting, exciting season on this podcast. We're going to have some surprises and some fun in store. And um, get your smokers and your grills ready because football season is almost here. It's ready to go.